This is an X to Delft podcast. Welcome to yet another episode of the Let's Talk About X podcast. In our small but cozy studio in the basement of the X building, we invite guests to join us and discuss topics that are of interest within the TU Delft community. My name is Eileen. And my name is Pepijn. And we are your hosts of today. And today we're going to talk about climate activism. Our university states that a climate resilient world cannot be achieved without innovative technologies and that through education programs and research, the TU Delft will use all of its capacity to face the challenge. But there are students who think that following the regular curriculum isn't enough and decide to join organizations that address climate crisis as a more urgent matter. We'd like to find out this episode what moves them to do so. So let me introduce our guest. To start with Charlotte Brat, who is studying a Master of Science in Environmental Engineering and is a member of Extinction Rebellion, Delft, who also was part of organizing the climate alarm um, in Delft on 14 March. And our other guest is Siep Rodeburg. Um, he studied a Bachelor of Science in Industrial Design and is currently a board member of Students for Sustainability, as well as a member of um, EcoRunner, one of TU Delft's dream teams. So good that you're both here. Yeah, thank you for uh, making some time for us and uh, yeah, be your guests at the podcast. Uh, so first, we'd like to know uh, a little bit more about the organizations you uh, you're in. Uh, so to start with you, Sip, what uh, yeah, what do you do at Students for Sustainability? What is it? Uh, we do a lot actually, Students for Sustainability. I mostly say we are a, a very very broad uh, focused uh, sustainability organization, and. Uh, we kind of have two sides. One side is our side in Delft and in the Netherlands, and we just try to inform and inspire uh, yeah, students mostly as much as we can about uh, sustainability, climate change, and really motivate them to use their knowledge uh, yeah, for the world of tomorrow. And the other side is actually helping them to uh, use this knowledge for the world of tomorrow in developing areas. So. Um, we have around 750 donators that uh, sponsor us with money each month. And 100% of this money we uh, use to fund innovative projects by TU Delft students in developing areas. Sustainable projects, of course, to really not only boost this technological innovation. We really think that in uh, developing areas, not only climate change is hitting hardest, uh, there are cultural differences. Very broad spectrum of, of activities and, and, and really and more tackle. creative solutions are yeah, needed. Okay. So, so that's why we want to help these students to uh, yeah, achieve their prototypes and make tangible impact and boost this uh, technology. What a good speech was that! <laughs> and uh, uh, okay, you said you said something about uh, people that donate. Are those students or also companies or students, parents Everything. from students, uh, just <laughs> people that students. want to uh, want to help to us make a uh, contribution? Innovate. Yeah, exactly. Okay, okay. And so you're the head of projects, if I'm correct. Is that is that right? Yeah, that's yeah, right. Okay. And what's your specific task for you? Uh, actually, my specific task is really to uh, advise uh, these projects. So they come to us with a plan, and we really help them. We've got a lot of knowledge within our organization, so we help them uh, to think about how can I make the best impact, uh, yeah. sustainable impact, with my innovation in this developing area. And uh, yeah, eventually when they have a good story and uh, we got get convinced, maybe they have to. You join the project. Ex exactly, yeah. we join the project and. Uh, and do, do you have an funding. example of a recent project? Uh, a recent project is, uh, for example, one that I really like is uh, uh, Jerry. He uh, m does a project, uh, plastic identification anywhere. 
and with a really simple modular uh, technology that actually anyone can make it. It's just a, a, like a building package with uh, a Raspberry Pi, a little computer inside, and only for 100, 150 euros, you can make a plastic detector that's uh, portable and that you can use, uh, really anyone can build it anywhere, you can use it and it can detect uh, the top five plastics. So it's really That's simple, good. and uh, but what does the job for a lot of uh, plastic recycling? Okay, maybe to you, Charlotte. Um, so you're part of Extinction Rebellion. Mm -hmm. I was really wondering um, why this organization, because there's so much out there. Like, what was so appealing to you to join XR? Yeah, uh, that's a good question. Um, I think like two years ago or something. I yeah, so I study environmental engineering, and a part of the curriculum is also about climate change. And um, I myself was already interested for some time, but uh, I think following these courses on uh, university, you know, is pretty conservative, but uh, they really, yeah, talk about the science, not really about their interpretation. And still you feel the problem is very big. Uh, and I don't know, I think around two years ago, I was thinking, okay, I can do all this stuff by myself or within organizations within TU Delft because I've also been active yeah, with, I know for you, example, yeah. with Green TU. Um, but then I thought, I think the, the big system change has to come from government. And uh, Extinction Rebellion is really an organization that uh, targets local or national or even international governments. And uh, what also really, yeah, what I also really liked about Extinction Rebellion is, uh, well, I went to an introduction talk that they, that they give and there they also explain like the science behind climate change and they don't make it uh, sound very alarming or how do I say it? They, well. <laughs> they it is very alarming, but they just use this, the figures of the IPCC, which yeah, are the known facts, to be yeah. conservative. To the facts, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah I think we had one of those uh, talks yeah. also here at the X. Yeah. Yeah. So it does sound alarming, but I mean they don't interpret it in a very extreme way or something, and still you feel very uh, well. I feel very scared about the future and climate change. Uh, and the second part of that talk is really about how in the history uh, did we see big social changes in, yeah, for example, with the wo women's movement, uh, anti-apartheid movement, how did this come about? And actually Extinction Rebellion used the same tactics as has been, yeah, seen used successful. So it's yeah. very yeah. much okay. their approach that you, you liked and also the, the the group that they target, which is governmental yeah. institutions. Yeah, and I think uh, what is also really important, but I only learned later, about Extinction Rebellion is that they really also actively advocate for a regenerative culture because uh, yeah, activism can be very uh, hard, tiring. Uh, people can get activist burnout. You're like in this super uh, serious topic the whole time and mm -hmm. it can be very, uh, yeah. Exhausting. Not for, your, yeah. Yeah, for your mental health. And uh, within Extinction Rebellion, it's really important to always be aware of that this is not a sprint, but it's really like a marathon we're kind of doing. And there's, uh, yeah, really a lot of room to also say, well, I don't have time right now, or uh, to do not only serious and active, uh, active activism stuff, but also fun things uh, yeah. and regenerate uh, as a group. Because it's also very, uh, I find it very helpful to talk with people also in Delft that are dealing with the same issues or that are. So it's also a place where you can sort of sh share your concerns. Yeah, and yeah, okay. I think so. Yeah, and I think from from this position from XR, you also 
uh, got involved with the climate alarm in yeah. Delft. Yeah. Um, what was your role? Like, uh, yeah. Um, so the climate alarm is actually a, a national initiative from 11 different uh, organizations, of which XR is also one, but also uh, yeah, the usual suspects like Milieu Defensie. But it's a very broad group of organizations and they wanted to make a statement about uh, climate justice uh, just in front of the second chamber elections or the national elections in the Netherlands. And because of Corona, we couldn't do like one big action in one city. So no, like big march. Or no, so. no big march. There was even no marching. <laughs> we all did like uh, oh, still, to, standing, yeah. uh, still standing yeah. demonstration. Yeah. Yes. With distance, yeah. And uh, yeah, to make it as big as possible, they wanted to be present in as many cities and uh, towns as possible. Uh, and also another effect of this is that we also could work on local uh, movement building. So in Delft, we now have a Delft Climate Coalition with a lot of different organizations, also Students for Sustainability. Um, and with them, we organized the Climate Alarm in Delft. And uh, in every city, it's a bit different. But in Delft, the initiative in the first place came from Extinction Rebellion. Yeah. Nice. Yeah, it must be different than what you normally do, right? Because Extinction Rebellion is also known to do its own thing, mm -hmm. go its own way. And now, all of a sudden, you need to yeah, collaborate with the, these organizations that have been there for a long time. Yeah, yeah. I think what you see in the news from Extinction Rebellion is, is mostly disruptive because mm -hmm. that is like newsworthy or something. But I think it's also interesting that we also try to be very constructive. Uh, we also talk with universities, we also talk with uh, local municipalities or local governments. And um, yeah, I think with this coalition we also showed indeed again that we can also be very constructive <laughs> <laughs> all right yeah to really make a sort of room for for speech to, mm. to talk with the institutes yeah yeah and, and also awareness. i think what we think is really important is this movement of movements so not to be like only xr yeah uh but to engage like a wider public and other organizations yeah. as well yeah, yeah because every organization has its own public and then when you cooperate yeah. then you will automatically reach a larger public Yes. Or a larger group of people, yeah. And, for example, because you're in the national board of XR as well? Uh, uh, right? We don't or really have a board or, or, sort or of very strict uh, hierarchy. Yeah, okay, but okay. Um, within the uh, Climate Alarm, mm -hmm. like the national organization, there are different, uh, as I said, 11 different organizations. Yeah. And for XR, I'm one of the yeah co-representatives. Yeah, but okay, I discuss okay. what we will discuss in this meeting with a lot of other people. So... Yeah, because I was wondering, I read in the news that last weekend, actually, in Eindhoven, there mm -hmm. was a, a group of people doing a sort of demonstration. They were cycling yeah. on a roundabout for, yeah. <laughs> I don't know how many hours. But in the end, they got yeah caught by the police. They were like, yeah, it's it's taking too long. It's being too disruptive. Mm -hmm. um, so how do you get involved within these more local actions? Or is there no involvement from the local groups uh, with each other? Uh, yeah, I would say there's a lot of involvement uh, local groups with each other. Um, yeah, in Delft we're not super big, so very often we join actions in Rotterdam or The Hague. Uh, and now we're actually in a period of time that we call like uh, Spring Rebellion. So it's uh, uh, two months that are more intense with actions, so more actions are planned. Uh, and then, yeah, very often there are also nationally organized actions that yeah, okay. all kinds of local groups come to. Yeah. And I think um, climate justice is like this overlapping theme that you are now um, also addressing if it comes to climate activism. Why is it such a important part of climate activism? 
you think? Yeah, so for me, um, climate change is mostly a big problem because it enhances like injustices in the world. And it's just as a, uh, yeah, climate change is like a big injustice towards coming generations and also towards ourselves. We're all very young, so we're all gonna, yeah, we're also already seeing many effects, but many effects will also come <laughs> in our lifetimes. Um, so yeah, I feel climate justice makes it maybe more tangible for people to see it's really about people and not about some abstract thing. The climate is changing, okay, but what does that mean? It means that a lot of people will be more poor or uh, yeah. So it's not only for for the birds and the bees, let's say, but it's yeah. also it's it will also cause um, inequality, even more inequalities between. Yeah, and a lot of human suffering. Yeah, yeah. yeah because I, w I found this quite interesting because I was really um, interested in, in what the actual reason for you or for Extinction Rebellion would be to do these kinds of demonstrations because is it more the, the fact that biodiversity loss is, is happening or um, the, the nitrogen uh, troubles, uh, maybe especially in the Netherlands, but it's more actually even a deeper social layer that's underneath it, like it would affect in, in the end a lot of people because there's more injustice related to the effects of, of climate change. Yeah, so this is how I see it. I yeah. think people in Extinction Rebellion see it in many different okay. ways. Uh, we have like three demands that are really focusing on the government. Okay. Uh, but I feel for myself and a lot of people around me, uh, what really strikes them about climate change is the fact that uh, it's causes a lot of injustices and a lot of suffering for humans and animals and yeah so that's a very for broad <laughs> uh yeah a very broad reason so to yeah say. yeah I okay so. if I, I maybe i can hop in there i, I was thinking about a few uh things because i think there is kind of a, a difference on maybe how i see it and even extinction rebellion i really mm -hmm. like actually what you're you're doing and i uh really liked as well that you said okay we're not only disruptive but also really constructive and and we don't try to only scream really loud, but we also really present the facts and the IPCC and all the, yeah. the numbers. Um, because what I see a lot within uh, climate activism as well, that people think, okay, those people are crazy. We mm. In Dutch we say the geitenwolle sokken, like <laughs> the goat wool socks and the, uh, the crazy hippies. And um, for example, within the climate alarm, I really liked it and it's so important to really uh, let your voice uh, hear, for example, but I was hanging outside of a window with a pen and a <laughs> spoon making noise, and I was looked at like, okay, this guy is crazy, because no, I, like, where I was, yeah. no one else was doing this, but so I thought, um, it is really easy and important, I, I, uh, easy for people to say, okay, those people are crazy, and I think really these disruptive kind of uh, things sometimes make it easy for people to point their fingers, say, okay, mm. no, I don't want anything to do with this uh, climate activism or climate change because it's for yeah. crazy people. Yeah. And I think really what you said, like the IPCC, we both uh, noticed within studying uh, at TU Delft, the only thing you actually need to become conscious about climate, I think is knowing what is actually happening. And just uh, present the facts. Just, just showing people the facts, yeah. showing them the graphs, I think when you're a, a, a normal human being and you have feelings, <laughs> uh, learning more and more about this, that will eventually uh, make you a climate activist. So I think really making uh, climate activism and sustainability sexy, making it easy for people, 
is maybe more um, for me really focused on just tell them the story, show them how important this is, how hard it is, and then um, it's you make it very hard for them to resent Ignore themselves. The like the people fact, yeah. don't want to know the facts because it will uh, affect in them having to change their behavior, yeah. uh, change their eating pattern, look at a like a normal way on seeing their energy uh, use and their yeah, because uh, I think that's the problem. It's you are considered to be crazy when you're doing something like this. That I think, in my opinion, that would mean that people are uh, when you take a sort of average person out of the so society, he or she would not consider it to be such a problem, and that's why they look at you being crazy. While yeah. you're from a completely different perspective, you know the facts. So you agree and try to get more awareness. And, and yeah. people seem to be really afraid to to learn about the facts because, of course, when when you know, okay, uh, when you're when you're learning a lot about this, and there, are, of course, there are days, and you probably have this as well, that you feel really sad about what is happening and really helpless. Um, but actually, to stop something, and you said it's aimed at the government, but I think the government eventually represents the people. So we have to start at, our, at ourselves. Yeah. And uh, for now, support, I think the, the, the Dutch word draagvlak is, is really a beautiful uh, word. And that's, I think, where, uh, where, it, where it all starts. So like what we're doing now, hopefully someone listens to this. Oh, let's look into uh, the Maybe facts. Maybe people are going We aren't going things. into the yeah. facts, of course, but... Um, no, but of course, this, yeah, this podcast is also directed to, to UDELF students. And I think... Yeah, maybe from students for sustainability, uh, this organization and also this is also your target group. So, what would be the role actually for for us, for our generation, but also, I think, to you, Delft students in particular. I think looking at our generation, we have actually the most important role of of all people on the entire earth. For example, nah, I I, I probably mostly debunk <laughs> it. Like, okay, <laughs> we are one of the richest number one percent of uh, countries. Then within the Netherlands, most students actually have it quite good. They're educated, they're smart enough to understand the, what is going on, and they're uh, the young, so they can action. still adapt. They are, uh, my grandma, yeah. she's been eating meat for 80 years. I can't tell her, okay, you have to stop today, you know? So um, if we aren't like the line to 2050, in 2050, we are climate neutral in Europe. I think we... Yeah, we will be that. Hopefully, uh, we will make yeah, it happen. Do you see that as a realistic goal? Nah, I see it as a goal. Yeah, I, I do, actually. I, okay. We must do it. So, eventually, if Urgenda 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, up till <laughs> 10 is needed for this, then that is something. And I know yeah. that there are, but that's politics, of course. Yeah, and there of are course. a lot of uh, politicians that, that, that try to undermine it. But eventually, we have to. Um, but... Really, that line to 2050, I think students will have to lead this line because of what, what I just said. We're so adaptable. We know it. So uh, really, we have to lead this. Is it our own responsibility or is there also a role for, for TU here? No, I think what is actually already happening a lot is, is that uh, our, yeah, our bachelors and our masters are, are more and more focused on sustainability. For me, in industrial design, it, it, it is... Still, there was a, a review on the bachelor after I finished, but it's like a, a red line between through the entire bachelor because when you're making a product better, it's have, it has to be more sustainable. So, 
uh, definitely, I think TUDELF has a big role. And also for the more conventional st studies, because I can imagine there are a lot of old professors uh, that, that are kind of tough in this, like uh, I've been building this, nah, okay, robots are quite new, but for maybe for ma math, for example, it's been the same uh, for thousands of years uh, almost. So really to, um, yeah, to make this, this study yeah, more sustainable. There's a lot of focus. difference maybe between the faculties as well, because yeah. I feel that some faculties is all about um, efficiency, like making, yeah, making systems or products more yeah. efficient, but not really about this more fundamental way of thinking or, yeah, I had to think of, we had a previous episode and um, we talked about plastic recycling and then this problem was stated that um, black plastic cannot be sorted by the machines that we currently have. And so the, the idea was, okay, well, we just innovate, you know, we just find a new technology that can sort black plastic so that we can s still use black packaging instead of uh, maybe deciding to use a different color that mm -hmm. can already be recycled, let's say. So this is, I feel, a very too delft um, mindset to, yeah. to think in sort of technical solutions instead of, oh, maybe we can do it really differently. Yeah, and tackling the fundamental problem. Yeah, I think the next step actually for TU Delft, because I can imagine with it, within, uh, for example, uh, we be, uh, how it's called, Werktuigbouwkunde, uh, like the mechanical, mechanical engineering. engineering, for example, then you are working on a project making a certain system more efficient. And of course it is because we need to uh, be get more and more efficient also for, uh, for climate change and uh, decarbonization. Uh, but I think actually most of them, they won't even know why they are making something more efficient. I, sh I think really through all studies, before you're doing uh, uh, how technical your studies even is, or doing investigation or do just a lecture like, okay, we, are, we have to make uh, this more sustainable because this is happening and uh, these are the emissions in this sector. And in 2050, these emissions will be, have to be zero we'll have to do this by making it more efficient and doing it uh, with green fuels or... Uh, yeah, so they just look, okay, what are the new targets, but not really the ideology yeah, behind to, it. I think, I think it makes it nicer. It makes it way more tangible to do a project when you're actually really knowing why you're doing this. But, but I think um, here we already missed maybe step zero, kind of why do we want the product in the first place? I studied civil engineering as a bachelor, and my master's also with civil engineering. And in the bachelor, it's yeah, way more focused on, as if you might know, like bridges, roads, whatever. And of course, we learn how to make a bridge, but do we actually need that bridge is never asked. Like, do we need a car, a new car? It's never asked. It's just, how do we make it more efficient? Because we already want a new car. That's already like set. And it's never asked or I think that's the biggest thing I missed, I think, in my studies. And I think it's really different for different faculties. Uh, but yeah, also from like a uh, um, societal perspective, it's not really taken into account if the people around the bridge want the bridge. That's not like a topic of discussion. It's just how do we make a bridge? <laughs> yeah, the functional, functional aspect. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, it's already at the applied side and not more the underlying ethical societal part, maybe. Yeah. Yeah, because you mentioned also before that, um, yeah, you you didn't think that there was enough, um, or at least you didn't see enough opportunities within uh, TUDF organizations to work on uh, climate climate crisis solutions. Or that was one of the reasons you mentioned to join XR. Um, so how do you look at this? Like, do you see 
a bigger role for TU or are you really focused on these governmental institutions? Yeah, so when I say XR is focused on governmental institutions, I don't mean we don't target, for example, universities or of course the wider public. Yeah, we also want them to learn about it. Um, and yeah, I think maybe, I don't really mean that uh, organizations within the TU cannot really do anything, <laughs> but um, it's just for me, at least I felt I wanted to, I don't know, be part of something bigger. Uh, and I think Extinction Rebellion is now active in yeah many countries uh, around the world. And also we do uh, simultaneous actions around the world, which uh, I find really cool. And also, um, yeah, grabs a lot of attention of a lot of people. But I think within uh, TU Delft, um, yeah, we still as Extinction Rebellion see that a lot can be changed. For example, now, um, yeah, in the whole of the Netherlands, actually, already for some years, there has been discussion about ABP, the pension fund of all university or all like uh, governmental organizations. They cannot choose. Everyone just gets this pension fund. Uh, but a lot of money is invested in fossil fuel industry. And I mean, if people, for example, in healthcare or teachers learn about this, most of them are not really happy to know that they are uh, educating the next generation, uh, but also destroying <laughs> the world for this next generation with their pension fund. Uh, and this is uh, yeah, an action we're, we've been thinking about for some time, and now there's a lot of momentum going on because uh, Andy van der Dobbelsteen, the sustainability coordinator, he, he made a petition which was signed by a lot of uh, TU Delft professors actually, but it has not been backed yet by the executive board. And this, I think, is... Yeah, why not? Yeah, why not? And it's probably going to be discussed with the, um, uh, the student council meeting. Um, but yeah, from their own uh, actions, they haven't been supporting it yet. So yeah, okay. They're, it's very bureaucratic until now. Yeah, so I would maybe already expect, maybe that's a bit cynical, that they will not uh, support it. Mm. And I feel that's a bit of a problem. It's a pity. I mean, yeah. why wouldn't you? And especially if you would cooperate with other universities in the Netherlands, why yeah, and wouldn't I think you back it? Uh, TU Delft has a, like this beautiful website about climate action, and yeah, they try the to be very yeah. uh, progressive in this. But then, when it really comes to it, we also, uh, as part of University Rebellion, gave them like a manifesto a few months ago, and they never reacted on it. We actually gave it to Rob Mudder, like face to face. And he made a beautiful speech about mm. what Theo yeah. Delft's already doing, but then we never it's hear only from words, them again. No actions. Yeah. Aye. Yeah. Okay. See, but how do you? Yeah. How do you feel about this? Because you're yeah. you're working more together also with the university. Um. Nah, actually, nah, not not directly. I think with the university, but mostly with the students. But I really like what you said about it's it's a lot of words and no action, and I think that really beautifully represents what is happening actually in the Netherlands. We are. Uh, the country of the consultants, they so <laughs> sometimes say, and we have written the most beautiful reports when we're looking at the climate reports, like from all kinds of organizations, the plans are there, but looking at actually Europe, like only uh, Luxembourg and Malta, I believe, are now behind <laughs> us if, it's, if we're talking about decarbonization. So uh, we're really slow, and it's really because our way of politics is really in the back chambers, a, lob uh, uh, a lot of lobbying a, a from lot the lobbying large multinationals. Yeah. It, it takes so much time. And like even for people as well, like building a windmill in my, my, my backyard, for example, I, I have a really lot of power to 
fight against this and uh, the government's really uncertain, but I think uh, uh, maybe it's like the, the neoliberalism, like the market uh, will do the job kind of uh, look at it. But I think we've learned now we are in a global crisis and actually we are now in, an, in another crisis with Corona. And we've actually learned that um, when we are in such a crisis, we, the market doesn't do the job and we actually need the government to steer it and to but initiate this. But that's very interesting because now you come up with a solution. So you say, okay, the market or at least the, the government should take more action into regulating the current system, right? So more and measures, a larger government to, to aid it to uh, a sort of better climate. But what is like if you make it more of a of a real measure, what would you do? Would you like, uh, for instance, uh, make taxes on on green stuff higher? Would you promote nah, a green entrepreneurship? What are the, yeah, the actions you I would undertake? I think actually like the, the Dutch CO2 uh, having, like the, what we... In, in the emission tax. The emission tax, we yeah. actually, on top of the European uh, trading uh, system, we have a Dutch uh, emission tax now that uh, I think that is a really, a, a really great, effective uh, uh, measure. We don't have to go into the details, but <laughs> uh, I think really investing together with uh, companies on like really big stuff, like uh, putting uh, carbon capture and storage, for example. It's really uh, people look at, in two ways to this because, of course, we can save a lot of carbon emissions, but focusing too much on this uh, can redirect us or, or, or uh, put our eyes from the real goal and that's eventually not using fossil fuels anymore. But uh, we learned now, it. like for example, putting CO2 underneath the North Sea, we like mm -hmm. the plans and the technology for this is available for so long, but there is so much governmental insecurities yeah. that, that the market isn't actually doing it. So I think our government should give some kind of certainty, like, okay, this is going to happen. We'll help you invest it or even maybe uh, uh, back it up or, or give some security for the market to fix it. And the same is with nuclear energy, of course. Um, this is really also a very hard uh, debate, I, th I think. And uh, But no, okay. if you want it or not, I think it can contribute for a little uh, part of the, our decarbonization maybe. But uh, if you want it or not, then there should be governmental security to do this yeah, because we are be, so divided. Yeah. And again, it's such an investment. It takes yeah. a long time. It's definitely not the solution for our entire uh, decarbonization. Yeah, okay. And if only it's more of a transition solution for up until 2100. But uh, when we want this, then we should create governmental security, security and yeah. the government should invest as well because uh, well, it's not going to happen. Do, do you, Charlotte, agree on this or would yeah, you see different <laughs> solutions? I think it's very interesting that you say like all these technical solutions are already there. And I think that is maybe also what in TU Delft, yeah, this is a very technical mindset, of, of course. Uh, of course, many technical solutions are already there. I think. Uh, the thing I would do, and this is also one of the demands of Extinction Rebellion, so maybe it does not come as a surprise, uh, but is to do a citizens' assembly on climate uh, policies. So um, this is a way for people to really have a, a direct say in politics. And I think a lot of people have a very negative view on this with um, 
referenda or yeah. stuff like that. Yeah. Yeah, so with referenda in general, I think a lot of people feel that this is not the way to go because most people that vote on them are not really uh, interested or didn't really read. Or no what expert. Yeah, and yeah, we've seen in the yeah. recent past that people can be very much influenced uh, yeah. and with also with misinformation. Yeah. And also, I think uh, the the people don't really trust the government anymore. I think it was already a big problem. Now it's even it's a even bigger, bigger problem. Yeah, yeah. And also, uh, a large part of this is uh, what you also already mentioned, is this lobbyism. Like, we don't really know who writes policy uh, in national government. It has been shown uh, via, like, a WOP request, which is yeah. how you can get uh, governmental... Yeah, publish uh, to, to be open about what is said and, and yeah. how the policy is, is looking, but also everything on the background, so yeah. what is said in meetings, uh, and yeah, et cetera, leading to a certain policy. Yeah, so it should be public. It should be public, but and it it's isn't. super hard <laughs> to find out who writes what, yeah. because it has been shown that for some policies, it has been like literally kind of written by banks or by Shell, and then yeah. it has been sent to a ministry, and they kind of change a few words, and that will be the policy. Yeah. And I think a lot of people don't trust government also for this reason, because we just don't know who is right, right. Yeah, it's not yeah. transparent. Yeah. No. But I think what both of you are saying is so the government has a big role, should have even a bigger role, but it's also very much about how we arrange our political system. Mm -hmm. Like, yeah. yeah, if we can be part of this, uh, either by referenda or just by having a Assemblies more transpar yeah. transparent system. Or but I think with the citizen assembly, you kind of, um, yeah, uh, tackle so many issues at once. Uh, so with the citizen assembly, you kind of um, people are randomly oh, selected, yeah. 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 Uh, but then uh, to also represent the Netherlands, so you can, for example, say we want, uh, yeah, have men, have women uh, with uh, migration background or not. You can kind of uh, make this random selection so that it actually represents uh, Dutch so society. Dutch society, yeah, yeah. yeah. And uh, these people go into kind of, uh, yeah. Sorry, I'm missing a lot of words. Uh, so a citizen assembly is basically that uh, these people come together. So now with Corona, it's a bit hard, but uh -huh. uh, ideally they would come together around 100 or 150 people. Uh, then different kind of experts. They can be of all kind of institutions. We can even invite Shell. I'm not against that to uh, give their presentation, give their uh, insights from science. Uh, this is uh, the problem. And then these people um, from all different backgrounds, all different, um, yeah, from the whole country, they discuss together, uh, which is then led by an organization that, yeah, uh, makes sure that everyone can get the word uh, and that everyone's being heard. Uh, and they come to, for example, uh, climate policy mm, ideas. And uh, the thing with citizen assembly is that, it, of course, it works best if uh, in the beginning, the government already says that they what they will do with it. Otherwise, people are that like, yeah. starting point. Yeah, because yeah. otherwise people are like, yeah, we're going to give some recommendations and then... Yeah, also, what? yeah, an <laughs> assurance <laughs> of if it will be used or not. Yeah, yeah. yeah. exactly. But it's and interesting because uh, this morning I read an article in uh, the NRC, the, the mm -hmm. newspaper, and they said that actually uh, right now there are approximately 17 large companies that actually have most of the power within determining what the policy of the government at the moment is. In the Netherlands? Yeah, mm. so it's so small. And I think with the Citizen Assembly, you kind of, well, you don't only uh, circumvent this problem of companies influencing because, well, of course they can come and say what they think. But it but is transparent. Yeah, 
it yeah. is transparent and like for example with the citizen assembly you could just stream all the lectures are which are given for example and just make the information that all participants get uh, openly available and another thing that has been shown in uh, citizens assemblies around the world is that uh, people when they are given the chance actually come up with more um, radical policy proposals than the government would themselves because well, think about being a politician. You have to be re-elected in four years. You have to stay within your party uh, program. You cannot make too... The yeah, stakes you are too high to Yeah, you can actually not make, make really impopular decisions. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, you're also part of a party. So, yeah, exactly. um, yeah, there's all kinds of You have to stick to the party to plan. Into yeah. Yeah, yeah. Especially concerning people having to change their behavior. Then yeah. Then yeah. Suddenly it's not popular. Yeah, it's <laughs> very unpopular. Yeah. But then if you think about you being a citizen having maybe children uh, thinking about how they are going to see the Netherlands or the world yeah. or what they're going to experience. What's their view on the future? Then all of a sudden, well, this is shown then around the world with uh, many different examples. People are willing to put far more radical things on the table than politicians would mm. themselves. And actually, that's easier for politicians themselves as well to already know this support or draagvlak is already coming from the citizen assembly. For them, it's way easier than to implement it. Yeah, it's a very smooth manner of getting some input, actually, of the of the yeah. public. I do actually, I, I agree with you, but also ag disagree a little bit, but, but because I do think um, these really drastic measures that come from really uh, activists as well, like, like I would want it this way, but mm -hmm. um, I think they're we often, because we don't see the entire picture, for us, we're at it really, what you said as well, we're at a, in a TU Delft approach. We really think, oh, why not? Because, but there's also always an economic, a social, uh, a societal aspects to getting change uh, done. And I do think like we can maybe be more idealistic uh, when we're in, in these kind of meetings. But I do think it would be actually cool because we should just talk about this way more. And I would... Like this transparency, I maybe I would like to step it up a notch because what I actually would like to see, um, we are in a global crisis, and uh, we are now in like like the other crisis, like the Corona crisis. We see it's really efficient, and people really like to know how it's going with this. So every two weeks, like our uh, prime minister, he, he steps to the stage for in front of journalists, for a press conference, a press conference. Uh -huh. And he talks about Corona. I would like to see the same thing with the climate crisis. Every That's week, what, uh, every week an like update. Every, no, every <laughs> month, just how is it going? Because actually now yeah. within the climate accord and uh, our goals. There's and no progress like being made because there's no For report, example, VVD right? within their uh, plans, they said, oh, we don't want to get uh, calculate our uh, yeah. reduction, uh, emission reduction, because it's the same as climate accord. <laughs> but then when you calculate it, it's, it's like it lacks 8% or something. So I think really just talking about this and being transparent and just once a month, maybe once two in two uh -huh. months, give a press conference. Okay, this is how it's going. Yeah. The decarbonization of the Netherlands, because in the next thirty years, our like when I'm looking around me, actually none of this entire studio uh, was built without fossil fuels. So our Oops. entire society <laughs> is going to change, yeah. actually. And so I think what you're saying is um, you would see the solution a bit more within the the institutions, and you're saying okay, we need to maybe think of a different way to organize these institutions. And I think um, you, you, you dubbed uh, before the term uh, theory of change, and mm -hmm. I find that very interesting. So these different approaches really to looking at how do we actually achieve change um, within, yeah, within climate activism. Mm -hmm. 
can you maybe explain what you mean with this term and also what for XR this this theory would be? Yeah, so um, I really like your idea of this uh, of this uh, press conference every week, and it's also what GroenLinks said, right? Like they want to have a, a climate management team, like similar to the outbreak mm. management team yeah. for Corona, but then uh, I think time. it would not be bad because uh, people only see one crisis now, while it's actually more. Yeah, uh, and. Also, to quickly comment on what you said of the citizen assembly with the radical ideas, I think uh, the power of this tool is that um, it comes from the people. It's not that because XR organized it, of course, we wouldn't organize it then. It's like this neutral organization that organizes it, and then um, these. Well, I don't. I I cannot say that it would happen in Netherlands, but this is what they've seen uh, abroad. Um, yeah, more radical ideas will uh, come. And also what I think within Extinction Rebellion is really important is that, um, yeah, sometimes it may seem that we really do targeted actions against Shell or against Rabobank and that we really, um, I don't know. <laughs> uh, it, it may seem that uh, climate activists maybe hate farmers or hate people that work at Shell. I don't really see it that way. I really... Uh, yeah, I or think the policy of the institute. I think a part of what we think that should happen is that these people need to be listened to and helped into a new, yeah, to uh, to change their business model in order to be more green. Yeah, but also to listen to their concerns about this, and I think this is also why uh, to, to the concerns of the company, to mm. concerns of the workers of the company. Oh, so yeah, I yeah, think yeah, Shell yeah. can definitely fall. But yeah. the workers shouldn't fall with them. The workers yeah. should be, uh, yeah, helped and trained to go to another company or set up their own company or I don't mind. if As long as they, like, we don't want extra injustice. We don't want the workers at Shell. Like, I don't personally hate someone that works at Shell. Of course, you have to make money. This is currently the system we're in. Uh, and we don't do, like, personal blaming and shaming. And I think part of this theory of change of Extinction Rebellion is also to show also the culture we want uh, in the world. With, for example, with this regenerative culture I was saying earlier, and part of that is also no naming and shaming. We don't, uh, <laughs> I don't know, go to shell workers uh, when they go to Should work. Should become say, too uh, personal. No, I think um, peop people make certain decisions and we might not agree with them, but we should also see that in the current system, these are just the easiest choices to make yeah. and that's why a lot of people make these decisions and that's also why we feel uh, the government should take the lead in this because they kind of decide what is the menu people can choose from at some point we also thought child labor was not acceptable anymore this was a very big problem for all the uh, industries that highly dependent on child labor because very cheap it's very bad for them if this is, uh, yeah, this was, um, but as a society, we kind of said, okay, well, we don't accept it anymore. And I think something similar could happen uh, here. For example, yeah, we can just decide this is not acceptable anymore. And then the government just has to make an popular decision and say, this is not on the menu anymore. You cannot choose anymore to buy very cheap uh, plofkip mm -hmm. uh, in the supermarket because of various reasons. And that's why I think uh, Extinction Rebellion really targets like uh, the government, not because we think it should only come from there, but for the government, they at, uh, make the policies and set the menu people can choose from. They should help the people really. And I, I agree, and that's another one definitely where the government should help us out because 
right now it's more expensive for me like the simplest example mm -hmm. is just a vegetarian uh, option or a, a meat option a vegetarian option is more expensive i think definitely the government should help us out like with the other half of the bill that's now at the next generations they should include this as well in the form of taxes on bad products and uh, also importing uh, bad products like from china and uh, helping European uh, industries as well with this, making it easier to go green and really um, the government should make it easy to change your behavior uh, because a lot of people, they can't digest this change and they, when it's hard, like especially for a farmer or someone working at Shell, yeah. their behavior change is even 10 times as big maybe as, as ours because it's, yeah. it's their job, it's their everyday doing their entire like farmers' culture, maybe even it's so. It's a very radical. Yeah, we, they really yeah. need the government to help them make more, like maybe uh, farm energy or uh, they farm. Should, yeah, they should take away the constraints and the the arguments against the change to make it easier to actually make the change. Yeah. As a person, as an institute, company, yeah. But I think Students for Sustainability um, is also helping organizations um, in this. Um, transition, right? Like you're you're supporting student initiatives, but you said you were also um, you were also um, supporting student organizations to become more sustainable. Um, yeah, yeah. Give workshops, things like this. For example, we give yeah we give workshops. We did uh, we have a few planned actually. We started doing this this year. We had like in the beginning of the year, uh, like a lot of organizations from like study organiz uh, uh, societies from Delft. They they came to us like oh can we uh, brainstorm uh, with you about our sustainability and about our uh, sustainability goals and uh, we kind of upgraded this and we already did it in uh, Utrecht uh, with uh, almost 50 student boards from student associations like student sci so, sci so, so associations societies uh, um, and uh, sporting uh, student sporting uh, boards as well and uh, it was really just focusing on learning from each other because they actually had no idea what everyone was already doing and uh, just brainstorming with each other. Okay, uh, we want to be carbon neutral. Where are we still emitting anything? And they have a big power in inspiring their uh, followers as well and their members. So, uh, And it's also hopeful because they are like a new generation of people who are also going to work at all these companies that we just yeah. discussed. So what you would wish is also that the big companies, um, the boards would as, as be as excited as these boards are yeah. to make that <laughs> yeah. change. And I think there's no better way for like an, an, uh, an old and conservative company to get a wake up call rather than just no one actually wanting to work uh, at your company anymore. Or yeah. it's really hard, like the Shell, they saw like everyone from TU Delft running to them and they had uh, they had everything for 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 the choosing, but now it's 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 totally different, and they are getting like helpless. Like oh, we um, they have to to yeah, and there is a lot image, of greenwashing yeah. done yeah. also yeah. within yeah. TU Delft to kind of convince people to still work for them, and it's a lot like with the big engineering companies, they have a very long road still uh, to decarbonization as well. So like they are slowly getting it, and I think people with a young and refreshing mind actually also going to work to for these companies, they can also shake it up. Like, okay, um, we are going to do this different. And, and um, yeah, I think that's really hopeful. And we sh definitely have the power to change a lot in our working life uh, as well, also within the conservative companies. Maybe uh, we should round off with that hopeful, <laughs> hopeful, hopeful message. Yeah.
Well, thanks for being here today. Even though you have very different approaches, it has been very inspiring to, to hear about your motivation to both raise awareness, but also achieve actual change if it comes to the climate crisis. So thanks for that. And now everyone at home, thanks for listening. In two weeks, there will be another episode of the Let's Talk About X podcast, so stay tuned. Also, I'd like to say that um, we are a community-driven podcast, so if you have any interesting topics that you would like us to discuss or that you want to bring yourself uh, to the table, to the studio, please uh, don't hesitate and uh, send us a message. You can do so by um, sending a message at the xt.instagram account. Until next time. Until next time.